at its 2011 Emerging Artists Symposium, SDCF hosted a panel moderated by Ellen Rusconi and featuring Ars Nova Artistic Director Jason Egan, Manhattan Theatre Club Artistic Line Producer Lisa McNulty, Playwrights Horizons Artistic Staff Associate Briel Steinberg, Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Program Manager Howen Wang, and Brooklyn Arts Council Regrant Director Ethne Utek. The discussion centers on various opportunities for emerging directors and choreographers in New York City. Hello, I'm SDC Director Susan Schulman, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the SDCF, the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Hi, welcome to the Opportunities panel at the SDCF Symposium here at MTC Rehearsal Studios on June 6, 2011. This event is sponsored by Play by Play, an audience services company here in New York. You can visit them at www.playbyplay.com. We're here to discuss various opportunities for emerging artists, directors, and choreographers in New York City. Um, and these five individuals represent a bunch of different and, and really varied programming um, for catering to emerging artists. So we're really grateful that you're here today. Thank you very much. Um, we'd like to start with just going kind of down the line, starting with Ethany, talking about the programs that you do offer for emerging artists, directors, and choreographers, and um, telling us a little bit about that experience, about those opportunities, and who are your ideal candidates? Sure. Well, we have um, a variety of what we call re-grant programs, um, which Howen will, it's a parallel program to what they have at Lower Manhattan Cultural Council, which Howen will also tell you a little bit about. Um, so we are re-granting or redistributing locally money from uh, Department of Cultural Affairs and then a parallel program from New York State Council on the Arts. Um, so those are the two main uh, grant opportunities um, for artists with Brooklyn Arts Council. Can I just see how many of you live in Brooklyn? Fantastic. Okay. So our grants are for you. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> See how one. <laughs> um, our funds with the Borough Arts Councils are very geographically restricted. Um, so all of our applications um, require Brooklyn residency, and the project also has to happen in Brooklyn. Um, it's a very suitable grant for really emerging people. A lot of people are writing their first grant application ever when they're doing ours. Um, and because of that, we build in a lot of one-on-one -on -one assistance and available support for you. Um, and our next deadline will be late September. More? No, I think that's, that's, uh, that's good. Lisa? Um, we have uh, an, in, uh, an endowed uh, fellowship program. So what that really means is um, we have a small stipend to offer um, assistance on each of our shows um, at uh, our Broadway and off-Broadway shows. Um, and those uh, fellowships are, they're, uh, they're assistantships. Um, they're what you would expect from assistantships. And they run from first rehearsal through, um, through opening. Um, and uh, I, I think that there's sort of a spectrum of, uh, you know, I think that the, the folks who would be uh, who would be suitable for our um, our Broadway productions are going to be a little further along, and the folks uh, that who be doing either our stage one or stage two off Broadway uh, uh, projects would be more emerging. So I think there's a real spectrum of. Um, 
uh, of achievement, you know, that uh, folks really early on in their careers can certainly apply, and folks who are further on can certainly apply. Um, but it, that's it's an assistantship, and um, you know, with uh, all the, the good and bad that come with uh, assisting. And um, additionally, um, for folks who who have an interest in self-producing, there's um, there's an internship in, in my office, the Artistic Production Office, which I think is useful for people who want to develop those skills. Um, they're semester-long, and um, you essentially sit in our office, and you assist me, and... Um, you sort of there's the opportunity to be a script reader in our literary office if that's of interest to you to sort of observe the production process and you know to do a lot of um, filing and answering phones but in the process sort of um, hearing how the sausage gets made and I think that's valuable as well. That's me. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Ars Nova, in a nutshell, uh, is a nonprofit organization primarily focused on development of new work and supporting artists at the earliest stages of their career. We define emerging as if you feel you're emerging, you should (laughs) apply for something. Uh, So you're pretty much all eligible. Uh, The way we function is mostly through a series of development programs that are ongoing throughout the year. We are focused on theater, comedy, and music with a special interest in where all those things intersect. And so our season is made up of a little bit of all of that. We have main stage productions that can range from a play or musical to a pirate puppet rock show or sketch comedy-driven theater piece. Uh, We have a music festival that happens every summer that's geared more toward non-musical theater bands and singer-songwriters. We have a writer's group project, which is the culminating project for our ongoing writers group to meet throughout the year at Ars Nova. Uh, We have a residence program, which includes a director residency, uh, a summer retreat. I think I've hit most of the major ones. And then in the fall, we do a festival called AntFest, which stands for All New Talent Festival. Uh, And that festival was designed specifically for you. Uh, It was designed because as we started to get a little older as an institution, we found it was becoming easy to work with the same artists over and over, and yet our mission calls for us to really be focusing on how to get the next wave of emerging artists in. So we designed this festival with the idea that it would be fully curated through open submissions and that the submissions could vary a a great deal. Uh, So the festival ends up being made up of all sorts of work from plays to ventriloquism and everything in between Um, and the applications do not have to be writer driven they can be director driven and for us it's become a great way for us to get to know emerging directors who we are then able to funnel into other programs and offer more support to but as I'm sure everyone on the panel would say we've found that, that it's very difficult for emerging directors to find early opportunities. So we're trying to find more ways to focus on that and make more opportunities, and AmpFest is certainly a good one. He's very nice, too. Claritz <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Horizons is a nonprofit off-Broadway theater on 42nd and 9th. We do all new American plays by, and musicals. Um, and we have a residency program, which is, we have administrative residents, we have four production residents, two stage management, two directing. And the directing residents assist on three of our six shows each season, from similar to the uh, MTC internship, 
from Fraser Hassel through opening. Um, and the difference being that you're with us for the whole season. So in terms of who it makes sense for, people who really are interested in assisting for a whole season, which is a big commitment. Um, it does pay a small stipend, which we say offsets the basic costs of uh, food and transportation, but not housing in New York. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a fantastic program. It really, you get to work very closely with three directors, three playwrights, or, you know, the artist, composer, writer team, and it's a really great way to start out in New York, I think. And she's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never met her. Um, so, hi, my name is Howen Wong, and I'm from the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council. Um, the council does a series of things. I'm going to talk about my department, which is grants and services. Um, don't let our name fool you, because our grants program served the entire borough of, uh, of Manhattan, from Inwood to uh, Battery. So, um, like Ethne said, if you, if, you're, you, if you live in Manhattan, then you can apply. But if you don't live in Manhattan, let's say many of you live in Brooklyn, you can apply to us with a Manhattan-based fiscal sponsor. And that's the same thing with Ethne's case, where if you have a project in Brooklyn, you can have a, and then you live in Manhattan, you can do vice versa. It's fine. Actually, that's not true. That's not true? <laughs> no, maybe it's an exception for you because too many artists live in Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> you still have to live in Brooklyn and do it. In okay, so, you know. But it doesn't um, matter. <laughs> okay, so, so then, no, but if you do live in, uh, if you do live in a, another borough, you can have apply to a fiscal sponsor, uh, Manhattan-based fiscal sponsor. We also offer, um, in, on top of our grants programs, we also offer um, professional development workshop. We have uh, two major kinds of professional development workshop. They are all free. One is that we offer a monthly professional development series uh, that um, from January to October. Um, each first business day of the month, we announce what the, what the topic is going to be on, and then people can RSVP online through our website. Um, it's first comes, first serve. We have space for about 60 to 70 people. Um, and also, we have professional development training intensives. Um, we have three programs on that. Um, we have one of our alum here, Annie, um, through our Uptown Downtown program. Uh, which is uh, for performing artists where um, they give um, sort of peer non-directorial feedbacks uh, for, for a series of weeks that provide um, uh, rehearsal time as well as uh, uh, sort of work in progress showcase in the end. Um, we also have an Artist Summer Institute that's happening on Governors Island um, and then as well as a basic finance for artists. It's a six-week training program one, uh, one day a week for six weeks on basic finance. Um, so that's that. Um, if we don't do them, if we don't do our workshop by first come first serve, they'll be by lottery, and they're always free. Great. Um, how, so how do artists? So so I just want to point out, kind of, it's weird. It's like a pyramid here, where Jason, you know, starting in the middle, has kind of a separate thing, and then Brielle and Lisa are very similar, and then Howen and Anthony are, are kind of offer similar programs, not exactly the same, but similar. So, um, maybe we'll start. So, maybe we'll 
start with, start with Jason and then kind of move outward on this one. Of how do artists become involved with you? I know you mentioned AntFest, but what is that process? Okay, so the process for AntFest is an open application period. Um, it's super easy. You fill out an application that you can get on our website, and we ask for a one-page synopsis of the idea you're submitting, which can be a description of the evening. Um, it can be a paragraph description of the evening. Sometimes we just get links to things online and are asked to fill in the gap. Uh, and then you can send in supporting materials, a script or video or whatever it is you want, but that's not necessary either. Uh, and then we receive all the submissions and we look through them and make selections. We select 30 shows a year and the most successful festival is not 30 of the same thing. It's 30 things that look nothing like each other. So that means if you are not accepted the first year apply, you absolutely are welcome to reapply over and over and over again with the same idea or not the same idea. But um, because we're accepting such a wide range of things, we can't always take the best of every kind of thing. Uh, so that's AntFest. And then... And about how many submissions do you roughly... We got expect? about... 200 to 250 last year, so... So it's about a 1 in 7, 1 in 8. Yeah. Uh, what else? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was how artists could form a relationship with... Right, so I mean, that's a great way in because it gives us a great opportunity to meet a lot of people every year and then do a lot more with most of them. Um, Other ways is we have an incredibly vast amount of programming throughout the year because of all the different kinds of things going on. So just being around is a great way to meet us because a lot of the staff is at the majority of the programming and we're all very friendly people. Um, I'm also very willing to meet with just about anyone who sends me a compelling email or letter as to why I should meet with them. In all seriousness, we you know we think that's a service we should be offering, so we make a great point of trying to give access to a lot of people. And if it can't be me, then someone on the staff is usually willing to meet with you. That said, we're not going to just respond to every you know form letter that we receive. So I think making the effort to explain to us what you're interested in and why you're interested in meeting with Ars Nova specifically um, will bring you greater success. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Coming to programming, AntFest. Those are really the main first ways in, I think. Real, what about what about playwrights? Yeah, I mean, to pick up on what Jason was talking about, it's really important, I think, to know the theater that you are approaching. Um, you know, don't write me a cover. And so to apply for the residency program, um, you send just a cover letter and a resume. I don't need six recommendations from all of your college professors just send me the cover letter you know tell me who you are what you've done and and what you're about but if you send me a cover letter about how you love experimental theater and the weirder the better Clarence Horizons is not the place for you you know um at least not right now so that I think is very important is knowing us knowing our work it's always nice when whoever you know directing resident applicants have seen our stuff you know know the New York City scene sort of where we fit in that kind of thing so I think that's really important for anything that you are applying for. Um, And I mean, in terms of applying again and again and again, uh, 
I think I hired a director resident this season who I think it was her third or fourth time applying. I mean, definitely keep getting more uh, experience under your belt and keep trying because there are two directing residents and I would say I get probably this season probably about 150 applications, um, and which is a lot considering they're committing to not earning a lot of money for a whole year of their lives. But if, so if one of those 150 contacts you and asks you for feedback, are you able to give that? I... It depends on when on when you contact me. Right now, no. I like I tend to respond to emails, um, and I don't usually have the time to meet individually with people. But I will send letters and uh, you know responses personally if you ask for them. Um, give me a, a month or two after the, <laughs> the the process has has completed. But I do uh, like to do that because it's you know again if I want you to apply again, it's. You know, in my best interest too, to to let you know what my thought process was. So, and are you actually the? So, are you the? Yeah, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's also, and I, I wanted to say this too. We also have a, a literary management residency, which tends to um, skew a little bit younger. Usually, there tend to be a year or two out of college, and the directing residents tend to be significantly older. Um, and in that case, the literary department helps me hire, you know, casting, same thing. We have a casting residency, same thing. Um, the department's help, but for for directing, I'm the last stop, uh, first and last stop. Um, so yes, it is me, and because we have three very different, you'll be working with three very different directors, we have six very different directors um, each season, so I have to sort of use my intuition and opinion on, on what works best for all three of them together. Lisa? Um, well, I'm just going to echo a couple of things these guys said. Um, I feel like additionally, in terms of you know being writing your letter as specifically as possible, it just sort of indicates something to me about you as an applicant, just that you're willing to take the time, um, that you're a, a focused and de- this specific and detail-oriented person, which is, speaks well of you. You know, if you're not, and if and it, and the opposite obviously doesn't speak very well of you. So. Um, uh, so I would agree. And also, um, just to say, uh, again, about reapplication, because our process is um, we also get about 200 um, applications for uh, six or seven spots. And um, because we're looking for to make a marriage with a particular director, we may like an assistant. We may like somebody who's applied very much. And they just may not be a very, a very good marriage for any of the directors that we have in our season. And then um, they don't apply again. And and I think, well, they're, they've moved on, they're in a different place in their career, um, and and I don't, so I don't sort of keep them in my head um, moving forward. And so if, you know, if you are still interested, don't presume that, um, because I've, you know, we couldn't do it this year, particularly if I brought you in for an interview to actually speak, it means that that, that we have an interest in you. And um, so I would just encourage you to keep, keep applying. Um, and uh, I am the yeah I'm I'm like Brielle I'm, I'm the gal who who makes those choices and sets up those meetings and connects you with the director. At the end of the day, though, unlike Brielle, I can't say these are the fellows. I can present three potential director uh, directing assistants to a director, and the director makes the choice because I feel like that makes for the best experience for the director as well as for the assistant for the director to feel like they've had some agency in, in choosing the person that they'll spend the process with. 
And since you brought up interviewed, and mm-hmm. I think that you may be the only, do you guys interview in person? It's just the application. Um, can you give us any tips on the interview? Yeah, and we interview. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, we all yeah. yeah. too. Yeah. Um, you know, brides work. It's, it's <laughs> great. <laughs> really comfor- I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> um, no, I just, uh, I, I mean, I suppose that's individual, but I mean, I think um, anybody who just seems like a really engaged um, interesting person, you know, who's articulate about the stuff that they're passionate about, who seems like they have a lot of interesting projects on the go. I can't tell you how many times I've been in an interview with a person and said, well, you know, if you were, if, you know, if you were given carte blanche to do your next three projects, what would they be? And gotten a blank stare. And I feel like somebody who doesn't actually have three dream projects in their back pocket is probably not somebody that we want to keep talking to because I, I, I want somebody who has like project you know what I mean that people who who have stuff that they're excited about and are working on their own not just waiting for somebody to give them an opportunity um, so I feel like you know just being an engaged person in your um, in your work um, having interesting relationships and um, uh, you know bringing something to the table yeah and I mean and also <laughs> something I look for and again because the directors, we don't give the directors agency in who they pick, um, which is a little odd, but usually works out <laughs> works out well. Um, yes, it seems, it seems to be going all right. Um, and we've been doing it that way many years before before I got, got on the scene. Um, but someone who knows sort of what they're signing up for knows that they're going to be assisting that if I ask, you know, one of my favorite questions is, have, can you talk about a difficult experience yeah. you've had? Because there's a chance that you'll be sitting in a room and not be used very yeah. often. I've had directors say to me, oh, thank you for this directing resident. I don't use yeah. assistance, but he or she is more than welcome to watch yeah. and be an observer, which you know you guys all know what an observer does as well. Um, so, so making sure that they understand sort of what they are signing up for, because dream projects are important in young directors, of course, but at the same time, you're not getting to do your totally. dream project. You're sitting and assisting whoever, whoever I tell you to. Totally. So. It just helps me. Um, it just helps me get to know you better as yeah. an artist and know who you might be a good pair for. Yes. Um, and you know, to think about if you're thinking about yourself as an assistant, like who are the three people in uh, in the world that you'd most like to assist? That would help me figure out who would who you know. Even if it's not going to be that person, it'll help me track you for um, you know for an, another appropriate pairing. I think that's huge because I've met with some people who yeah. it's surprising yeah. I, I mean it sounds weird to say but you do sit across from someone and are shocked when they can't name off a few writers they're interested right. in yeah. working with or whose work they're responding to right. or things they've seen recently and enjoyed yeah. and why and just basic stuff so it's just a shorthand yeah. you know for us I think similar to the letter writing I guess just having a sense of the institution you're coming to talk to, but also a greater sense of right. the yeah. industry and yeah. what's yeah. going on. And it is particular, especially for the directing mm-hmm. residents. I yeah. mean, I started out as a, a marketing resident at Playwrights Horizons many, many years ago, um, and I was not very familiar with the vast majority of that season, um, but that is a very different skill set than being able to place you in a room with Sam Gold or you know, Pam McKinnon and if you haven't seen any of their work or you don't know any of the writers they work with, yeah, you know, it's not going to proceed that beautifully from there, I would yeah. imagine. So in terms of in terms of how and in terms of your programs, how does a participant become involved, you know, with LMCC? 
Well, um, or I guess specifically, I guess I mean there is, they can attend your programs, but also in terms of the grant, in terms of your your grants, grants. artists. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so um, you know you apply for a grant before the deadline. Um, we're in the process of. Um, you should repeat before the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> before, before all of yeah. 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 it helps a lot. If if you are a first time applicant. You are required to attend an information session. Uh, this is one of also one of our opportunities to give you technical assistance for specific questions you might have about our guidelines and our application process. Um, and you know, before the deadline, you should submit um, uh, all of the materials required. Um, and um, basically, we I don't make any of the decisions. We have a peer review panel process where we. Um, ask um, uh, artists um, like you or um, artists um, professionals like you um, to, to be on a panel and basically make recommendations for us. Then we present that final decision uh, to our board for final approval. Um, so that's the process. Um, the m maximum amount of um, dollars you can ask for is 5000 but um, the average grant is about 2000 uh, 20, uh, 2,000 to 2,500, I should say. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's important in terms of what advice I can give you. I mean, Ed, Ed will help me fill me in on that. Um, but personally, I feel like it's it's important to figure out if the requirement fits your project or your project fits the requirement. I should say, like um, so, um, I'm open to to speak to any of you one on one, but it will help me, and I'll get a. Uh, better understanding of your work if, if our 15 minutes or half an hour are not spent on whatever is already on our website. You know what I mean. So come prepare with a question, and then once I answer your questions, we can talk specifically more about what your visions are, and then I can get a better understanding of you. And also, you'll create a better image for, for all of us sitting here that you have it together, right? And then we'll be able to give you more trust on how we can support you and your work. Um... You know, in terms of it, uh, our grants are um, a lot of them are narrative questions. You need to submit a budget. You need to submit a timeline for your project. Um, and so, so in terms of the narratives, just you know, use really simple, clear and simple language. Try not to use a lot of jargons, or try not to theorize. Be concrete. I think it was some, something similar has been mentioned. Um, so be concrete, so that uh, you know, be in the shoes of a panelist and think if I'm. Reading, if I'm getting to know you cold turkey from the materials that you're presenting, is that going to be clear? Am I going to get a sense of what exactly is it that you're doing, right? And things like that. And then it's also very important that you have uh, well-documented materials for your previous works, right? Did you recorded them? Are you recorded them? You have scripts written, etc. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. And in terms of getting your foot in the door with Brooklyn Arts Council, ditto on the application seminar, like LNCC's program, um, it's required for first-time applicants, um, and we do a variety of them around the borough throughout August and September, leading to our late September deadlines, um, so hopefully you can find a time and place that, that works for you. So sort of the very minimum is you come to one of those seminars, you're facing the crowd, and then I see your application after the deadline. Um, the, I would really encourage you to just go a step beyond that. Um, as it says on our website, you can give us a call, and you can just call me and talk about your project if you want. 
Um, a lot of times just having that conversation is enough for us to figure out if you're really a good match for the grant. I will be like totally brutally honest with you about if it's a good match or not. Um, our projects have to have some kind of public component, some kind of um, accessible performance involved. Um, it's not a, a work in progress, workshopping, or residency kind of grant. Um, and some people's work just kind of sounds to me more like something our panel will go for than other people's work. So just pick up the phone, give me a call. Our staff is busy but very accessible, so we can just talk one-on-one -on -one about your work. Um, and then with the uh, follow-up after you apply, if you decide to apply, um, you can call and get your grant feedback what, if you're funded or if you're not funded. Um, and that can often be a really useful conversation and kind of point to certain ways that we might be able to work with you or stay in touch in the future. Um, and that's just sort of how to connect with us about the, the grant program. Um, in general, it doesn't hurt to just kind of be on our radar. Um, as the Arts Council, we get these like random phone calls all the time <laughs> from people who are like, you know, from like international presenters who are like, we need an artist in Brooklyn, who do you recommend? You know, so you can always send me an introductory email, invite us to see your work. Um, you can leave postcards for shows you have going on in our office. We get a lot of foot traffic and people pick those up. Our staff sees it. So it doesn't hurt to just add us to your mailing list, get on our mailing list, and kind of be in touch that way. And there's increasingly, I'm sure you're all aware of this, but there has been a boom in theater companies in Brooklyn. And there is so it's, much going on It's now. really been exciting to see, yeah, especially in the last few years, and um, a lot of really interesting site-specific work going on because our sort of infrastructure for venues in Brooklyn is kind of lagging behind the creative work that's going on, um, which is often one of the big hurdles for theater applicants in our program. Um, so we end up in theater funding a lot of site-specific stuff, a lot of stuff at smaller venues like Bushwick Star, Brook Theater, these kinds of places. Um, so definitely lots going on. Um, I do want to leave a little bit of time for questions, so this I'll just ask one or two more, but I would love to hear from any of you what makes a successful or unsuccessful program participant, assuming somebody gets, gets their foot in the door. Last year, just as an example, none of these attendees were here last year, but um, Philip Kimberg of Sundance was talking about how somebody for his entire residency at Sundance had his Bluetooth on his ear. Meals, rehearsals, the entire, you know, I don't think anybody in the room last, <laughs> you know, last year will ever have a Bluetooth. So is there any kind of practical information that you can tell us about, you know, in terms of how somebody should, how somebody can be successful in your programs or unsuccessful? I mean, <clears throat> mine's, it's a little bit more specific since you are spending a whole season with us. I think having the interest in the producing entity that is Playwrights Horizons and really making our office on the third floor. And there are some directing residents who don't know what our offices look like. And there are the vast majority, and I try to encourage them to come behind the scenes and, you know, hang out in the literary office. They're very happy to let you peruse the script. Let you, you know, just really engage with the organization because we've had directing residents who've gone on to, to great directing things. We've had directing residents who have gone on to great literary management jobs and, you know, other facets of theater. So that is always something I'm looking for. Is, is someone, in an applicant, is someone I think is actually interested in participating in the organization as a whole, and then someone, once they're there, who really follows through on that. I actually, because I, um, because it's show-specific, um, 
I definitely, particularly when I'm line producing the show, in particular, I use the assistant as my sort of eyes and ears in the room. Yeah. Um, and it's a because it's not appropriate for me to sit in the room every day, but I can use the use the assistant to take the temperature of the room. So, um, you know, being a good, you know, be, knowing. The, how to be a good go-between between what's happening in the room and the institution. Um, and also, uh, I mean, I think to go uh, continue something that Brielle was saying before, um, is to just be game for whatever is needed or isn't needed. Um, I think, you know, you you need to sort of be able to read the room um, really clearly and uh, step up when it's needed and recede when it isn't. And so it's just there's a kind of sensitivity that's required for that. Um, to be a successful assistant, I think, period, um, and particularly when you're, you know, I think often in our um, fellowship, you'd be, you'll be working with a director you've never met before, so you have to be sort of forging a new relationship and, and sort of figuring that out on the fly. For us, I think it's about really standing out and seizing the opportunity. There's so, there are so many people coming through our doors every year, which is really exciting, but it's hard to keep up with everyone. So I think the more you can help us know who you are and what you want to be doing, mm-hmm. the better we're going to be able to serve you and the more opportunity we're going to be able to find to match up with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I should say, we do have an internship program as well that would be open to any of you. Barbara was an intern. She could tell you my intern too? Well, not an intern. Very resourceful. And uh, uh, we do have ADs on our main stage programs, but we're also trying to give directing opportunities to people at your level on those programs, too. So sometimes it's appropriate to have an AD of this caliber, and other times it's not. Um, Yeah, so I think just, again, from the letter writing to the meeting to showing up at shows, through all of that, trying to present yourselves and help us be aware of what you're interested in and what you're looking to do. And then I just wanted to jump on that bandwagon about show invites to say we accept them all year long. But again, we probably get 40 to 50 a week, not including Facebook invites. So helping us understand why it makes sense for us to come to this or what it is you want us to see in this work. Right. We're prioritizing. Like, I feel like, you know, the the folks who are most successful in getting me to see their work are very clear about, like, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. Or, I just wanted you to know about this. Like, no need for you to... Do you know what I mean? It's to help me because I might get to see one thing that you've done this year. So what's the one thing that you want me to see? So... Um, and with us, I think what would make people really stand out in our program, because all of our grants are project-based funding, is just being able to really clearly articulate your vision for that particular project that you're applying for. Um, and then in a very concise way, kind of attached to that, articulate how that fits into your work overall and into your vision of sort of how you see arts and community functioning, since we are a community arts grant program. Um, so just kind of thinking through those things and kind of putting your administrative head on before you write one of our applications so we don't get one of these applications like Helen was talking about with like all this flowery theoretical language and then my panel is like, how many shows are they doing? Like how many seats does this venue have? <laughs> so really just getting those administrative details down and showing the panel your professional prowess um, and then letting your beautiful polished work samples speak to your artistic prowess. Um, are we, are we I think I just wanted to see if Helen had anything to add to that. Um, 
No, no, I think it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, like, 99% of what you need to, need to know on how to apply should be on our guidelines. Um, and then when we put them there, we mean it when we put it there. So follow these rules, right? So like when we say, I mean, like um, I, have, I have an example um, where we ask for 10 images and someone sends me a DVD um, of like 57 images, all titled with random codes, mm-hmm. and then tells me like, um, you know, XBPL25 is my first sample. <laughs> XB, you know. That's an extreme example. I'm sure none of you would do that. <laughs> but that just goes to say that if you if, if, if you really just follow everything step by step, it would really help us yeah. to help you. Yeah, um, and I think for that, oh, right. sorry, but just my own thing, is for that, you have to remember in these applications that you are one of 200 or one of 250 right. or one of <coughs> however many, 500. Right. Um, so you really need to do the work for the organization you can't let the organization be responsible for doing the work for you. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to what he was just saying. I think it kind of comes under the umbrella of taking it seriously to a certain extent when you're when you're doing this. I mean, with our grant programs, you know, our average grant is similar to his. It's about two thousand um, dollars. You know, so it's a very small grant. We do have people who you can tell kind of like dashed off this application and were like, "Ah, it's a small grant. Throw my hat in there to go." I mean, that's all you have time for. Fine, but do keep in mind you're starting even with smaller opportunities. You're starting to build a reputation for yourself in the field. You know, like we all talk to each other, <laughs> and um, you have outside panelists, so they all panelists will be seeing your yeah. work. Yeah, so you're starting to kind of build habits for best practices for other opportunities, and you're starting to build your reputation in the field. So I think that's always nice to keep in mind. I think we had a question. Yes. Yeah, there, there were a couple of mentions about when applying for grants and such that you should include supporting materials, and I think twice videotape was mentioned, but I don't know if a lot of other people are working on an equity level, you can't videotape anything. Mm. So what is a good suggestion for an alternative? Um, a lot of our applicants who are working with equity folks um, will do like a slideshow with some music, as something, as a visual that we can show the panel, and then also send a sample of the script for the project they're proposing, something like that. Um, and our panelists for theater applications, we go to, we break it out into discipline-specific panels. Um, so it will be theater people viewing your application, so they understand stuff like that. And in our case, um, we we offer you, if, if there's... If there are any reasons you can't submit a work sample that uh, in your uh, specific genre, like you're a writer, or but you don't, well, well for equity, let's just talk about equity. Like we allow you to submit images or scripts, but uh, but still, I mean, like that's not a video. So you got to think about what's going to be missing. So a good production image can probably talk talk about the production value, you know, speak to the production value, but it probably can't tell, talk talk a lot about the acting and directing levels of all that, right? So there are going to be things missing, uh, elements missing if you don't can't submit a video. So you, you want to try to figure out how, you know, maybe in the langu- narrative language you can talk about that a little bit. Maybe you can s- select, uh, you know, when you select your images, you can think that direction as well. But we do allow you to submit other formats if your primary format is not available for you. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering if each of you 
you can talk about uh, when your deadlines are, if it's a rolling process, or what all the applications are going to um, our upcoming deadline for our uh, Department of Cultural Affairs and New York State Arts Council rebrands, which are our two biggest programs, um, those will both be on the same day in late September. Um, it's usually the last Thursday of September, but we don't have it pinned down just yet. Um, the best thing to do would be to get on our email list so you're sure to get reminders when we start advertising those application seminars leading up to the deadline. Um, and then we have a few other smaller grant programs that I didn't mention today in the interest of time, but you can view them on our website, and some of those deadlines are after that one, so it's late September or later for us. And it's an annual deadline for applications for projects that will be happening the following calendar year. So this September we'll be looking for projects happening in Brooklyn in 2012. Um, our deadline was up on April 1st, but if you guys um, still want to apply and you get your application in by the end of the month and you mentioned that you were at this seminar, we'll, we'll take the application. Um, there's information about our, uh, our program on our website under the education, um, the education thing. Uh, our internships renew a few times a year and if you go to our website it tells you when the application periods are our emails work all year so you're welcome to <laughs> send an email or come visit the AntFest deadline strangely is today um, but similar to Lisa if you want to send in an application in the next week or so mention that you were here we will make an exception um, and as I said the application process is pretty simple and straightforward so it would actually be possible to whip it together pretty quickly if you have an idea. And all of that information is on the website. Um, and if, if for some reason our crafty marketing department has <laughs> taken the application down tomorrow, just email, <laughs> um, email artistic at arsnovanyc.com, which is also on the website, and we'll send you the application. Uh, our applications for directing residents were also due April 1st. But I've already hired. <laughs> so don't send, you can send me something, but I'll just tell you to send it again next year. Um, if you want to be a marketing or a development fundraising resident next season, send me an email right now. Um, we also, so it's March 1st is for the summer. We don't have production residents because we're not really in production over the summer. But um, April 1st is directing and stage management, and then May 1st is administrative residency. Um, our state and city um, regrant program deadlines are September 13th. Um, the, the line uh, we hold info sessions, and the, the RSVP links for those info sessions are already on our website, which is lmcc.net. Uh, you can already start signing up. And yeah, we have other small deadlines which you can find out. Well, thank you all for coming here today, um, and thank you to Play by Play for their sponsorship of this symposium. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.